As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL Podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPL General. It's finally here, the Game Week 1 deadline is just a few days away. The final tweaks are being made to FPL squads all around the world as we all go into the season thinking this will be my year. In today's podcast, I'll be going through my golden rules slash strategy notes which I've updated ahead of the new campaign answering Twitter questions, discussing captaincy for the first six game weeks, and most importantly, talking you through my latest draft. Don't forget, there will be another episode on Friday, and every Friday from now on, excluding international breaks. So you'll get your fix of FPL podcasts from me this season, every Tuesday and every Friday. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. There's a special offer on The Athletic at the moment. You can get it for 33% off the annual subscription, which works out at about £4 per month. So make the most of that while you can. I find using The Athletic for the last couple of seasons, it works very nicely alongside your FPL team. You know, getting that insight from people who are working, you know, exclusively for certain clubs. You know, I find it very, very useful and especially the tactical stuff from people like Michael Cox, I find very useful when it comes to making FPL decisions. So check that out uh, to do so. The link is theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod. Long time listeners will know that each season, uh, just before the season starts, I sit down, I type up an A4 sheet of paper with kind of golden rules slash kind of my overall strategy going into the season. I print it out and I stick it up on the wall in my office so that it's always nearby on a Friday night when it comes to making my transfers or captaincy decisions. So it serves as a reminder during the season of how I wanted to play the game this year before we get caught up, you know, in the week to week of FPL because you can you can very quickly forget how you wanted to play the game because FPL sweeps you along like a wave. So I remember doing this last season. I remember talking through my golden rules on the podcast and people enjoyed it. So I'm going to do it again. 
it's never the same. I always, you know, tweak things slightly with each new season. You know, maybe I take some rules out and maybe add in some new ones. It's not really rules as such. It's more kind of guidelines for myself uh, on how I want to play the game. So it's a sheet of bullet points. So I'm just going to run through them and maybe expand on some of them as I go. The first one, and I think the most important one for me this season, and it probably should be the most important one for all of us, is to enjoy the game. Now, you've got to find out what it is that helps you to enjoy the game. You know, maybe there's certain things you do that will help. There's Maybe there's certain things that you'll, you'll, you need to stop doing to help you enjoy the game. But my overall strategy for the season is not a, a certain rank or a certain money league position. It's to make sure I'm absolutely buzzing going into the new season. I'm full of excitement. I want that feeling to be there right through the 38 game weeks, not just at the start. So I'm going to make sure no matter what happens this season, whether I'm ranked number one in the world or whether I'm ranked one million in the world, I'm going to enjoy this game. Next bullet point is safe picks in game week one. So I often talk about playing it safe in game week one, You know, not taking too many risks, not going for too many new players to the league or too many promoted players and stuff like that. So when I sit down on Friday with my final squad, I'll be running through it. And I'll be asking myself, is this a safe pick? And I'll be making sure that I have, let's say, 13 out of 15. I want to be really safe picks. I don't want to have too many punts in there. And as you'll see when I reveal my squad later, you know, most of the picks I've got in there at the moment are safe picks. Next note here is be open to the early wildcard. So last couple of seasons, I think last two seasons, I've kept my first wild card quite late into the season, you know, maybe game week 18, game week 19, close to when, you know, the last time you can play it before the second one becomes active. And I, I remember going into both those seasons with that plan, you know, not wanting to wild card, you know, keeping the wild card as long as possible. But this season, my approach is going to be a lot more flexible. Uh, and I've noted down here, be open to the early wild card because the way I'm looking at player prices now, a lot of new managers at teams, you know, lots of players that maybe won't play in game week one because of the Euros and, and there's still lots of transfers that could happen, Harry Kane, for example. So I think we probably will see a lot of people wildcarding early this season. Uh, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do it because I don't think you should do that. I don't think you should set up your team for you know the first three game weeks and say, I am 100% going to wildcard game week four because the wildcard is the most powerful weapon you have in your season. Uh, you only get two of them, so I don't think you should book it in because you know you could you could go in with that approach, and your your first three game weeks could be could be brilliant, and your team could be looking very very healthy, and then you're going to be conflicted when it comes to game week four. Do I stick to the plan of the wild card, or or do I change my mind? And of course, one of the golden rules in FPL is to be flexible, but I don't like the idea of saying I'm definitely going to wild card game week four, or I'm definitely going to wild card game week seven. I think the best thing to do is to be open to either playing it early playing it in the middle or playing it at the end. And I don't think there's a right answer. Until we see the first couple of game weeks of the season, there's no right answer yet You know, on when is the best time to play the wild card. So I'm going to be flexible on the wild card this season, more so than I have been in previous seasons. Next bullet point says aim for 40 transfers. So when I think back to my best ever seasons, my first two top 500s, which is going back a couple of years now, uh, probably five or six years ago. One thing I always remember from those seasons was I think in one of them, I made 39 transfers. And I think in the other one, I made either 40 or 41. 
So it's quite a low amount of transfers. You know, you're averaging roughly about one each game week over a season. If you do that, you're not taking many point hits, which I don't like doing. So I'm going to try just a little experiment this season to try and aim for that 40 transfers. I know Paul at Skyplayer and FPL did this a couple of years ago to, to great success. It just kind of forces you to be a bit more patient helps you to avoid maybe unnecessary point hits as well. Just suits my style of play. You know, I'm very patient. I don't like hits. I like to give players maybe a bit more time than some others do. So I'm going to aim for 40 transfers this season. Now that doesn't mean I, I can't make 45 or 50. You know, we'll see how the season goes. But every time on a Friday when it comes to making my transfer, I'm going to read this and I'm going to say aim for 40 transfers. And if I've got a transfer in mind, I'm going to really ask myself, do I really need to do this? Or can I just be a little bit more patient and you know with that 40 transfer target in mind? So that's just something I'm going to, I'm going to see how that goes this season. The ideal scenario is I arrive at the end of the season. I've only made about 40 or 41 transfers and I've got a very good rank. Next note here is when making transfers, focus on the weakest link. Uh, this is a common phrase you'll hear on FPL podcasts. You know, when you're making transfers, focus on the weak area of your squad. It's always very tempting to use your transfer on exciting transfers, maybe in midfield or attack. But if you've got a underperforming goalkeeper, Ramsdale, cough, cough, last season, you know, fix it, get a better goalkeeper. If you've got defenders, you know, maybe you're down to three defenders and, and your two other defenders are yellow flagged or red flagged, or they're just not playing for their respective teams, don't ignore it. You know, focus on that defence, improve it rather than making a very exciting transfer in midfield or attack. So again, when I come to making my transfers every Friday, I'll be reading this. I'll be asking myself, is this transfer fixing my weakest link? Now, you don't always have to fix your weakest link, but it's something you shouldn't you shouldn't forget about. Always ask yourself, am I making a luxury transfer here? Or is there something I could do which would much benefit my squad much more than this maybe extravagant transfer? Next bullet point uh, this is all kind of related to squad management, so bank a transfer as often as possible. This is something I always try and do. It was very difficult to do it last season with COVID cancellations, players isolating. So hopefully this season will be a lot easier. And uh, my first option A every week option A for me is can I bank a transfer? And then option B will be you know player X out, player Y in, but always one of your options every week don't forget is to bank a transfer i always say you know a lot of managers their first thought on a monday is which transfer will i make this week i always like to think you know can i bank a transfer this week that's my first thought and then only can i start thinking about options so i will try and bank a transfer as often as possible this week i always just find if you arrive on a friday night or a saturday morning if you've got two free transfers you know most other people only probably have one and you've got the luxury of the extra week of information as well. So it leaves you in a very, very strong position. Now, sometimes it has its downsides too. You can lead, it can lead to decision paralysis. You could, you know, when you've got two free transfers, you've got so many options you can do in terms of transfers. And, and sometimes you can be left with five or six options on a Friday. And it can be really, really tricky to decide on what to do. Uh, and don't forget as well, when you do have two free transfers, you don't have to use them both. You can just use one of them. And then you'll still have two free transfers the following game week. So I'll be banking a transfer as often as I can this season. It all just kind of fit into my overall strategy of, of being a patient manager, not wanting to make many transfers and not wanting to take many hits either. Next point is Friday night transfers. So I've always been someone who likes to make transfers on a Friday night. Obviously, if it's a Friday evening deadline, I'll be making my transfers maybe five o'clock 
on a Friday, but if it's a Saturday morning deadline, I always like to make my transfers maybe nine or 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Now, now I say that we should really be waiting until after half past 10 on a Friday night because there's always press conferences by the managers on Thursdays and Fridays around lunchtime, but there's some of that press conference updates that get embargoed for, I think it's for the newspapers. So you don't actually, some of the information from the press conferences, even if the press conference, let's say Pep Guardiola talks at one o'clock on a Friday afternoon, some of the things he says won't be made public on places like Twitter until half past 10, I think the embargo time is. So if you're someone who does like to make your transfers on a Friday night, if you can wait till after half past 10, you know, do it at 11 or half past 11, there could be just that sometimes, it is quite rare, but sometimes information trickles out very, very late on a Friday night. So I'll be waiting for that as much as I can. I do have a caveat beside this bullet point. So I will be making transfers mostly on a Friday night of the season. But as always, at the start of the season, the transfer market is crazy. Price rises and price falls happen very, very quickly. So I'm going to be open to making early transfers for the first few game weeks, at least for the first three game weeks before the international break. You might see me making Monday transfers and Tuesday transfers, whereas you know when it comes to game week eight, game week nine, game week 10 and, and Champions League's back and all that kind of stuff, you'll see me being much more patient and waiting until those Friday nights. Next rule, make a captaincy matrix and update it often. So I'm going to actually talk about this later in the podcast. I've made a, a very quick matrix for the first six game weeks, so I'll come back to this. But the key here is it's very easy in game week one to make a captaincy matrix. The key is to update it very often. So say to yourself, every every four weeks or every six weeks, I'm going to update my captaincy matrix because you know players like Salah and Bruno look like really good captaincy options now for the first six game weeks. But, you know, let's say let's say Salah has a quiet start to the season. Maybe after four or five game weeks, you won't rate him as highly as a captaincy candidate. Maybe there'll be players like Harry Kane, Romelu Lukaku, who will be, you know, much more in your thoughts then. So you've got to update your captaincy matrix often uh, and, and kind of adjust to the season as well in terms of how players are performing. Next Point, don't let fear rule transfers and captaincy. We can't have them all. Something, you know, it, it, it took probably took me a long time to, to kind of get my head around this in FPL and kind of just make peace with it that we can't have every player. There will be lots of occasions this season where you don't have a player and it feels like everyone else does and you have the fear of missing out FOMO. But you can't ever let fear rule your transfers. You've got to stick to your guns. I always say trust your troops. You know, if you're worrying about one player, about not owning one player, why not flip it and just trust the 11 players that you have to get you a good score that week? You know, how much can one player really hurt you? Yes, of course, if it's going to be a popular captain, they really can. But always try and trust trust your troops uh, and don't let fear rule your transfer and captaincy decisions. Next up is ignore player ownership. Focus on points, not percentages. That's what I always try and do. Focus on points, not percentages. It gets harder and harder every season to ignore player ownership, but I don't think it's that important. Um, I think you you should really just focus on, on, on your team, focus on the players you like, and you know focus on getting points. And don't worry if a player is 60% owned or, or 4% owned. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about points. 
uh, and that's what I try and focus on. And you know, if things, if you're like me and you don't like seeing too much stuff about ownership on on Twitter and stuff, just you know, use the mute function. I think I've muted the term EO, which is effective ownership, because I just don't. Obviously, I value it and I understand why people use it, but it's just something I don't like, and I don't, I don't like it feeding into my thought process. So I just mute it. So then. It, it limits how much you have to see of of that word on on Twitter, and there's there's plenty of words like that that I've I've, I've muted as well. Things like template, and you know, use the mute function to your benefit. And you know, you should only be seeing things on Twitter that you want to see. So I will be ignoring player ownership as much as possible. It is impossible to completely ignore it, but I will be ignoring it as much as possible. Next one: ignore overall rank. And never look at live rank halfway through a game week. There's so many brilliant FPL websites out there now that can basically show you, you know, at 3.15pm on a Saturday when there's five games taking place, you can see exactly what your rank is during those games. Some people love that, but I don't think it's healthy. I don't think you should be tracking your rank, you know, four or five times over a weekend when at the end of the day, the only time your rank matters if you value overall rank that is over your mini leagues is at the end of the season. So I tried last season to ignore overall rank as much as possible and I I failed because I think because I started the season well, I fell into old trap again of, you know, kind of tracking my rank and I was guilty of, you know, on a Saturday night or, or, you know, halfway through a Sunday, jumping on live FPL, going to live FPL rank and seeing what was happening. But I'm really going to try and cut that out this season. Now, what I want to make clear there is that Live FPL is a brilliant website and there's lots of other excellent stuff on there that I'll be using, but it's just a live rank thing that I want to try and get away from. Next up, match of the day challenge as often as possible starting in game week one. So I want to start as I mean to go on this season. I think it's going to be a little bit easier for me this season as well because on Saturdays I've started coaching a girls football team and we play on a Saturday morning. So it's going to be easier for me to have that initial switch off because I'm going to be out of the house for a couple of hours anyway. Match of the day challenge, if you don't know what it is, you basically avoid all football news on Saturday. You don't look at any team sheets. You don't look at any scores during the day. You tell your wife or your husband not to tell you anything about the games if they see it anywhere. Uh, if the radio comes on in the car, you switch it off. You know, if, if the news comes on on the television, you switch it off, you close your ears and then you sit down half past 10 or whatever time it is and watch match of the day, which usually is about a 90 minute program. So it's all condensed into 90 minutes rather than a roller coaster of emotion all through your day. So I'm going to do that in game week one and I'm hoping to do it a lot more this season. I used to be really good at it maybe four or five years ago. I used to do it probably half of the weekends of the season. So I want to try and get back to those levels this year. Yeah, and what I do then is I just record the games on Saturday and Sunday and I watch them on Monday and Tuesday when my wife is at work. So next up, no phone during matches. Give the game 100% attention and make notes. So instead of having a phone in my hand when I watch a game, I'm going to have a pen, which I, I do this anyway. But sometimes I'm guilty of having the phone nearby or sitting on the coffee table in front of me or on the sofa. Just get rid of it. Put it in the kitchen. Put it upstairs in the bedroom. And then you can really do a proper eye test. There's no distractions uh, and you're giving the game 100% attention. Because if you're on your phone, you, you will miss things. You'll go on your phone for 10 seconds before you know it, you've been on it for five minutes and you've missed five minutes of the game. And that could be that five minute window where you really see something that could get you the edge in FPL. 
Related to this next bullet point, trust my own eye test. So this is something I've always done. I'm always eye test number one. I watch a lot of games, so I feel like I don't need to rely on stats as much as other people do. I will still look at stats, but I don't value them as highly as other people. Uh, I always just think with the Premier League and with football, it's even if you have a half of a season or a full season, 38 game weeks, it's still quite a small sample size when you compare it to other sports like baseball and stuff like that that are much more reliant on stats. So for me, it's always, you know, watch the games, make your notes, and then, you know, have a look at the stats to see if it matches up with your notes or if you're missing something. But always my decisions mainly come from what I've seen with my own eyes. Next bullet point, update the watch list every week. So I'll be making a watch list on the transfers page of the FPL website. After each game week is finished, I'll go through each of the 20 teams, add the players to the watch list I'm interested in, and remove the players I'm no longer interested in. I usually keep this at about 25 to 30 players, and I don't include goalkeepers. Just three more to go, and then we're at the bottom of the A4 sheet. Always remain flexible regarding strategy and planning. Nothing is ever set in stone. So this is very, very important, no matter what your strategy is in FPL this season or you know what your plans are nothing is ever set in stone uh, I've seen a tweet from Andy let's talk FPL yesterday which I liked which simply said you're allowed to change your mind in FPL and that is 100% right don't ever think you have to stick to a plan because you've made it if better newer information has come up in the meantime be flexible and adjust always be flexible when it comes to FPL Next up, focus on the decision-making process, not the outcome. And you'll hear this a lot this week on podcasts and articles. When you set your team on a Friday, deadline passes, you are no longer in control. Whatever happens at the weekend, it's an unpredictable... We're trying to predict an unpredictable sport. So don't get too you know downbeat if you captain a player you think is going to score twice and he doesn't score at all. Over the course of one weekend, anything can happen. And this is why FPL is such a great game because it's so unpredictable. Um, if you score 22 points in a game week, which will happen, don't focus on what's happened on Saturday and Sunday. Go back to Friday, pretend the weekend hasn't happened yet. And what you'll find is most of the decisions you made were logical decisions. They were good decisions, but they just didn't work out, which was completely out of your control. So always remember that. And again, final bullet point is the same as the first bullet point just to really emphasize for me this season to enjoy the game. So every Friday when I read this, the first thing I'm going to read is enjoy the game. And the last thing I'm going to read is enjoy the game. So that is just an overview of how I'm going to be playing the game this season. I highly recommend to you to make your own kind of list of an overall strategy, your kind of your golden rules for the season, and put it somewhere where you have to read it often. It could be on your on your wall in your office. It could be it could be the screensaver on your phone or on your desktop. And uh, just somewhere that will force you to read it at least once a week. You know, it just reminds you we will get swept away by FPL very quickly. And it just gives you that it's like that little sanity check on a Friday or whenever it is when you're making your transfers just to remind you of how you want to play the game this season and you might pick out some of the ones that I've used there but most likely yours will be different to mine because no two FPL managers are the same you know tailor it for your style of play and how you want to play the game you know yours could be completely different to mine you could say 
You want, might want to take loads of hits this season, which is absolutely fine as well if it suits your style of play. But yeah, definitely take the time this week. If you have it, it'll take you half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour, type it out or write it out yeah, and keep it close by because I find it really does help throughout the season. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Moving on now to the questions from Twitter. The first one is from Mo. With emerging 4 million defenders like Simakas and Amarty, who could offer the same points as the big hitting defenders in the first few weeks, is it wise to go for cheap defenders and go big on midfielders and forwards? I think as FPL managers, what we always want to do in an ideal scenario is have as much cash as possible for the exciting players, you know, your midfielders and your strikers. And there's a couple of options that have emerged in the last couple of days. Simicas at Liverpool, the left back, because Robertson looks like he's going to probably miss the first three game weeks anyway. And Simicas should come in at left back. He's only four million. And then Amarty is also only four million at Leicester because they've got quite a few defensive issues at the moment as well with Johnny Evans and Fafana. So the question is, is it wise to go for cheap defenders? So I, I'm i still quite reluctant to go for two, four million defenders. I don't like the idea of getting Amarty and Chimacas. I think going for one of them is absolutely fine, but I still feel a lot better and a lot safer having, you know, let's say two 4.5s one four million and then maybe two more expensive defenders. So that's most likely how I'm gonna set up. And I think I think Shimakas is probably the better option here. Amarty probably will play, but I, I don't think he's as sure a starter as Shimakas is because Leicester are gonna buy a centre back probably in the next couple of days anyway. And as soon as that happens, Amarty probably straight out of the team because he'll probably play four at the back. He'll play Soyunchu and whoever the new centre-back is, there's always the possibility that Ndidi drops back to centre-back as well in place of Amarty. So I think his you know, game time will probably disappear pretty quickly. If you are going for a 4 million defender, it's probably the Liverpool guy. Um, Josh from Always Cheating set a line, and he, and he says it often, uh, when FPL throws you a bone, you should grab it. And I feel like Shimakis could be the first bone we've been thrown this season. Uh, and I think we probably should grab it. Uh, there's a question. When it comes to revealing my team later, I'll talk more about Shimakas because it's obviously a bit of a shootout between himself and Jota. Uh, but for me, when it comes to Jota, there's a lot of other alternatives around the same price. So I think I'm leaning towards Shimakas at the moment. I was very much set on Trent Robertson double up. Robertson didn't leave any of my drafts. So I think I'll just replace him now with Shimakas. Go without Jota. 
and you'll just go with a different midfielder. Question from Tom Shurgi. How important is a strong bench? I've seen a lot of teams that have cheap options that probably won't play sat on their bench. Is that far too risky for game week one because of the unpredictability of starting lineups and not giving you much room for manoeuvre regarding future transfers? Yeah, there is a lot of cheap benches out there. You know, a lot of benches that look like maybe Brownhill or Billy Gilmore and then a 4.5 million defender, someone like Ailing or Veltman and then a 4 million defender, someone like Shimakis or Amarty, or there's, there's an RH guy there as well, I can't remember what his name is. But I think one thing I will say about Shimakis is, even though he's 4 million, you've got to forget that he's 4 million. You treat him like a 5 or 6 million player. If you get Shimakis, you don't bench him. You just treat him like Robertson and you put him in your starting 11. Back to the cheap bench, is it risky? It, it always is risky, but I think... As I say, you know, the exciting thing to do is get as many big hitters as you can in your team. Get the cash in the starting 11, and that's what I'll be doing. I'll be going budget defence. I'll probably have a 4.5 million midfielder, a 4.5 million defender, and a 4 million defender. But then, you know, it might not be a 4 million defender on the bench because Chimicus will probably be in the starting 11. So I'll probably actually end up with two 4.5 million defenders on the bench, which actually makes your bench stronger. So Chimicus, you know, the more I talk about it and think about it here, the more I want to go for him. So yeah, I think I think a cheap bench is fine, but the key is you've got to make sure your starting eleven is pretty secure. Players that are going to play, you don't want to have too many risks in there because you're, if you do have too many risks, your bench will come into play. And let's face it, we don't really want to have someone like Brownhill or Gilmore coming off our bench too often. Question from the Footy Focus: Why is Danny Ings still an attractive asset considering number one, Wendia Watkins injury doubts? Number two, Bailey needs time to settle into the squad. And three, El Ghazi might still be on penalties and he'll probably fit into the starting 11 considering points one and two. Possibly not on penalties and missing creative assets to feed him. Yeah, so the Fury Focus makes a few good points here about Danny Ings. Spoiler alert, he is in my latest draft. And I think the main reasons he's in there, I do take everything on board with which has been mentioned above, but I just think fixtures, Aston Villa have amazing opening three fixtures. Also, I think it's a nice price point. If you have Danny Ings at 8 million, it's quite easy to go to someone else in a couple of weeks' time, you know, another 8 million striker or a 7.5 or a 7. And quite simply, I think Danny Ings is an elite finisher. I think he's one of the best finishers in the Premier League. Um, So for all those reasons, he's got Watford, Newcastle and Brentford first three. I think I'm going to go for it. You know, I may not have him long term, but I think given that he's a class player, he's got great fixtures, I'm just not going to overthink it. Question from Azza. Do you think a downgrade from Bruno to Sancho would be worth it to fit in Lukaku? I don't think we can say this yet. We need to see what happens with Sancho. You know, good chance he may not start. I think he is in training now, but he's, he's only joined training recently. So again, I'm going to start with Bruno, I'm pretty sure, and then just reevaluate it after a couple of game weeks. You know, people like Lukaku and Harry Kane, I'm sure, are going to come into our thinking after after probably game week two, game week three. So it is going to be very interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons we're going to see a lot of wildcards early because I think a lot of people will probably shift towards much more cash in their strikers after a couple of game weeks once Lukaku's you know settled in and once Kane's future has been decided as well so Bruno to Sancho not something I'm thinking about uh, you know until we see what happens in the first couple of game weeks questions from FPL Fox can we go without Rafinha for the first four game weeks 
I think we can. He left my draft once a couple of days ago, which was the first time he did so, but he has gone back in since. I feel like it's it's probably overthinking if I don't go with him because I think he's, I've said a few times, I think he's one of the most underpriced players in the game. Yes, the fixtures are not ideal, but Leeds are a great side and they can beat anyone on their day. I think they can score against anyone. So I think Rafinha will make it, but I think there is an argument to go without him, but you're probably going to end up getting him anyway later. I mean, if he starts the season well, you're going to be rushing to get him. I just, I would rather use that transfer somewhere else. Have him in the squad from game week one. Um, first four fixtures for Leeds are Manchester United, Everton, Burnley and Liverpool. So, I mean, it is tricky, but I've still got faith in Rafinha to do well for his price over those four matches. So I'm pretty sure I'll stick with him. Question from Mohamdi. What do you think about Everton's defence, especially Luka Dean? Is he worth 5.5 million for the start of the season? I do think Luka Dean is a good option. We know, you know, I think he's got about eight or nine assists every season for the last couple of years. With Benitez, you would think Everton will be pretty well drilled defensively. But will that be the case in the early game weeks? You know, that is the big question. Quite simply, for me, the reason Luka Dean is not in my squad is because I prefer Luke Shaw. Amazing numbers last season. Plays for a better team, who I would expect to keep more clean sheets than Everton this season. So yeah, Luke Shaw is in my team. But Luka Dean, you know, if Luke Shaw didn't exist, for example, or if he was injured, I think Luka Dean would probably be the next one in there. But there is a lot of competition. You know, I like Soufal, I like Cresswell, um, Chelsea defender, Man City defender. So yeah, Luke Shaw for me, I'm not as high on Everton as some other people are. I'm sure I'm sure I'll own Luka Dean at some point this season, but it won't be for game week one. Final question I will tackle this week is from Andy, FPL Teach Mode. Would you be happy with Sanchez slash Backman or a 4.5 million keeper? Or would you stretch to 5 or 5.5 for your goalkeeper? So again, goalkeepers I'm struggling with. I've gone back to Sanchez. I had Backman in there for a couple of days. Back to Backman Foster double up. But I've gone back to Sanchez now. I'm just trying to simplify it as much as I can. Um for me, Sanchez, I'm trying to ignore ownership, first of all. Obviously, I know he's highly owned, but fixtures are good. We know Brighton were very good defensively last season. And I think he you know, I think he could have been five million. So I think we could potentially have an underpriced goalkeeper. So I'm willing to go for it to begin with. I think there's a good chance I'll be wildcarding early this season anyway. So I can reevaluate it maybe earlier than I would have reevaluated Ramsdale last season. So I think Sanchez probably will be in there. And I'm just going to back Brighton to continue to defend well. And hopefully Sanchez will keep a few clean sheets. I'm not expecting too many saves out of him. You know, I had Backman in there. But when I thought about it, I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him play. I didn't see Watford in the championship last season. So I feel like I'm kind of just shooting in the dark there. So I think I'm going to just go with the... To me, Sanchez is the safe pick, which goes back to my uh, one of my bullet points earlier in the podcast. I know there's plenty of goalkeepers at five that are interesting. I really like Melier at Leeds, uh, but you know, as as I'm sure you're finding as well, when you build your drafts, most drafts you build probably are 100 million. So it's it's quite hard to find that extra 0.5 for someone like Melier. If I was going for a more expensive goalkeeper than a 4.5, I think it would be the Leeds guy because I think he's. 
he's he's a bit of a big hitter in a way. You know, he can get your ten plus points quite often because he makes a lot of saves and he does well in the bonus as well. So Melier is my preference from the fives, but I always like to spend an eight point five on the goalkeeper position. So I've got Sanchez. I don't have Foster as the backup, and the reason for that is Foster. Foster is very popular. I think he's over 25% owned and that to me makes him vulnerable to a price drop. You, know, you don't want a wild card in a couple of weeks time and have Foster who you bought for 4 million drop into 3.9 million. So I think I've got Angus Gunn from Norwich whose ownership is only maybe 1 or 2% so he's much less likely to drop in price. So keep that in mind. If you're, if you're going for Foster as your second goalkeeper, I think you should only be doing it if you have the Backman-Foster double up. Otherwise, if you're going Sanchez... I think you should just go for any other 4 million goalkeeper that's ownership is really low because then they're less likely to to drop to 3.9 million. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. In this next section of the podcast, I'm going to touch quickly on the captaincy matrix which I've made. So I've made one for the first six game weeks. Quite simply, looked at each game week's 10 fixtures and picked out the two or three best captaincy options for that week. So game week one, I think it's an easy one. Salah plays newly promoted Norwich. That's where my captaincy will go in game week one. Bruno does have a a decent fixture against Leeds, but I think when it's a newly promoted side, when it's Mo Salah, I think it is a no-brainer. For game week two, I think there's three captaincy games here. Salah plays Burnley, which I think is pretty good. Man City play Norwich, which is why a lot of people are thinking about starting with a Man City midfielder in their team for you know that Norwich fixture in mind and then Bruno plays Southampton which I also think is a very good fixture so Salah and Bruno right away are showing up in my matrix for game week one and game week two and they, they show up in most game weeks to be fair which is why I think it's quite easy to just start the season with those guys so for me Salah game week one probably Salah game week two as well against Burnley For game week three, again, three captaincy fixtures, I think. Bruno plays Wolves. That's where my armband will probably go that week. Tottenham play Watford. Uh, Tottenham also show up in the game week four matrix, which is why Son is quite attractive. Harry Kane will be attractive if he's still at Tottenham by the time game week three rolls around. So game week three, Bruno against Wolves. Tottenham against Watford. Leicester play Norwich. I feel bad here. I feel like I'm already targeting Norwich with my captaincy matrix here. But if you've got a, a Vardy or a Harvey Barnes or something like that, or a Iheanacho, you know, maybe they can be captaincy options for game week three as well. But again, for me, game week three, probably Bruno. Game week four, Bruno will probably be captain as well because he's home to Newcastle. And then 
I don't actually know if that's home because I've just noted down Bruno first year. That could be home, could be away. I don't think it matters too much because it's Newcastle. Tottenham, as I mentioned, game week four, they play Crystal Palace. So if you're starting with Youngman's son, I can understand the reasoning because game week three and game week four, he looks quite good. Even if you're not going to captain him, I quite like those fixtures. Game week five and six, my matrix is probably going to bring me back towards Salah. Game week five, Salah plays Crystal Palace, great fixture. Although we need to see how Palace look under Patrick Vieira. Maybe they'll look really good defensively. Game week five, Manchester City plays Southampton. Again, Southampton are a team I quite like targeting for captaincy because I don't rate them very highly in defence. Game week six, Salah plays Brentford and Bruno plays Aston Villa. So again, quite simply, what this matrix shows me is I want to own Bruno and Salah for the first six game weeks. I'm probably going to captain Salah four times, captain Bruno twice. And keep it as simple as that. Now, the part I'm sure you've been listening carefully for and waiting patiently for, my latest draft. Now, before I start, I have to say this is Tuesday morning. This will change. But I would imagine, I don't think there'll be any more than three or four changes. I'm pretty happy with most of it. It's just a couple of positions around the edge. Maybe your third striker, your fourth midfielder. And then maybe that Shimakis decision in defence as well. So my latest draft is 0.0 million in the bank. The goalkeepers are Sanchez and Angus Gunn. The defenders, Trent, Luke Shaw, Shimakis. So that would be my starting three defenders for game week one. That would leave me with bench defenders, Veltman and Ailing. I think Veltman and Ailing rotate very nicely for the first eight or nine game weeks. It just feels like an easy decision to me those two come as a pair midfield Salah Bruno pick themselves Rafinha think I'll stick with them the fourth midfield position is the one that could be anyone really I've got Grealish in there at the moment but that has been quite a few different players fifth midfielder Brownhill 4.5 million Burnley I like him a little bit more than Gilmore at Norwich up front Antonio has been in every one of my drafts. He will stay. Danny Ings is in there at the moment. And Tony is also there. Now, Antonio is safe. Danny Ings and Tony are not 100% safe, but I quite like this strike force. Uh, main question marks for me then at the moment, Jota versus Shimakis. And the fourth midfield position, Grealish, Jota. Could be Gundogan. I really like Gundogan. Uh, with KDB out. Mason Greenwood, again, there's no Rashford. Sancho may not start. Cavani probably won't start. So Greenwood looks pretty good for game week one. Harvey Barnes, love him as a player. Looked really sharp in the Queen of Shield. And then maybe I could go and find a little bit more cash for someone like Hyungman Son or Riyad Mare. So I'm really struggling with the final midfield spot. Um, strikers are subject to change. Defence... Pretty set, I think, if I decide to go for the 4 million Shimakas. Other thoughts, uh, Bamford's on my mind, Calvert-Lewin also, Callum Wilson I really like for the start of the season. Another option, this is a 3-4-3, but I haven't ruled out 4-4-2. And I think if I did go 4-4-2, what would happen is I would take Tony out and I would put maybe another more expensive defender in his place and play 4-4-2. Maybe a look at Dean, who we mentioned, or, or a Chelsea or a Manchester City defender. So Tony versus maybe you know a 5.5 or 6 million defender, even someone like Sufal. I think that's a debate a lot of people are having. So that's just 
my latest draft. So we'll see how it shakes out once the Game Week 1 deadline arrives. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you find it useful. Please leave a review wherever you're listening and make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss Friday's episode. If you'd like to support me as a full-time fantasy manager, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general where you'll get extra content and podcasts throughout the season and get access to my Slack channel. A couple of things I want to mention before I go as well. This week, there's lots of good discounts available out there. If you want to spice up your mini league this season, fplmerch.com do some really cool stuff like trophies, but more importantly, they do stuff like wooden spoons and sashes for the losers of the mini leagues to wear. To get a 10% discount there, just use the code GENERAL10. And also Fantasy Football Hub, which I'm an ambassador for this season, have a 25% season discount on at the moment. So check that out before Game Week 1 to get the best possible value for money. Have a good week, folks. Happy tinkering. And I'll talk to you again on Friday before the Game Week 1 deadline. The Athletic.